Good morning, Mosaic Church. We hope you're having a great start to 2023, and we are so glad you're here to worship with us this morning. If you're new to Mosaic, as a church, we exist to make disciples who believe the gospel, abide in Christ, and obey the word of God. If you'd like more information about our vision, or you want to get connected to the life of our church through community groups, or if you'd like to find an opportunity to serve, you can text the word Mosaic to 97,000 and we'll follow up with you in the next few days. And now, as we get ready to enter into corporate worship, if you're concerned about having little ones in service with you, we want you to be at ease. We love kids and have a lot of them here. Our kids ministry is always available to you and we have a nursing mother's room with our service streaming live just outside the lobby to the left. Again, we're glad you're here. Let's worship Jesus together. Well, hey, hey, good morning. <laughs> My name's Tad Anderson. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Mosaic Church, and uh, I'm so uh, thankful that you're here this morning to worship Jesus uh, with us. If I've not met you, I would love to meet you, uh, and we'll sneak out these doors right here at the end of service to try to meet you. So you have to go quick if you don't want to do that. Um, anyway, other official announcements are um, community groups are starting back officially tonight. Uh, at Mosaic, we don't have Sunday school or, um, you know, like affinity-based hobby groups. Uh, we have what we call community groups, and uh, those groups are modeled after uh, a passage that we'll read this morning, actually the one that Pastor Jason just read. Uh, so I'm not going to preemptively explain it right now, but basically um, they're groups of families from our body who gather weekly in their homes for fellowship care and uh, talking uh, practically about living uh, God's word out in their lives together. So uh, if you're interested in that, we would love for you to join us. Bless you. Um, we'd love for you to join us. And uh, you can do that by uh, talking to someone at our connection desk just after the service or talking to me or talking to any of our leaders that you've seen this morning. Uh, also, uh, really exciting, our leadership has been planning for about six months to launch some more uh, formal uh, adult discipleship environments that are gender specific, and we will do that later this month. Our men's and women's ministries will be held on alternating Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. here at the church building. Uh, men uh, will meet on the first and third Wednesdays, and women will meet on the second and fourth Wednesdays. They'll have uh, both of these will have like 20 to 30 minute. Uh, times of systematic topical teaching relevant to biblical living for men or women, respectively, followed by a time of uh, kind of breakout discussion, and then we'll come back together for uh, drawing application and 
prayer together. These are going to be a complementary ministry to community groups. Uh, and in large part, if you've been around for a while, these are going to kind of take the place of DNA groups, though we still will encourage you to be forming friendships within our uh, discipleship ministries and to be grabbing coffee or, or meals and things like that with the friends that you're making along uh, the way on, on different weeks and stuff like that. So uh, our, our plan is to launch the men's gathering on Wednesday, January 18th, and the women's gathering the following Wednesday, January 25th. So please, if you uh, are an adult in this room right now, you're, you're hearing me, uh, just know these ministries are for you. We would love for you to join us uh, for these. So uh, we're really excited and we think it's going to be uh, a great time. Uh, another thing, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have all of the details on this yet, but we do uh, have a night of worship that's coming up. We're trying to lock down a date uh, on that. We, we don't do these as much, and so we're trying to figure out what's going to work best logistically, uh, but that will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. So look for uh, some we on that via social media and our app, if you're using uh, our app. All right. We are uh, kicking off our first sermon series of the year, and it's titled, What Now? And uh, I'll bring you in on uh, what that's all about. But first, let's, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Well, Father, on what feels like the first official Sunday back, in this new year, 2023, we, uh, as always, want to begin by giving you thanks for your abundant mercy and grace that you have poured into our lives in Christ. He is the only hope that we need in life and in death, and we are so grateful for the gift of him as our Savior, Lord, God, and King. Would you lead us to worship and surrender to him in ever-increasing ways this year? And, and now as we begin in our, our first teaching series, Lord, would you be with us and stir our hearts in it each week? God, while uh, we are a relatively uh, young church body, we don't desire to say new things or come up with our own vision of what uh, should be happening among us. God, you have already, in your kindness, given us the vision we need for this life as we uh, await the life to come. So would you just um, drill the components of that vision deep into our hearts in the next few weeks and cause us to be as committed as ever as disciples of Jesus to uh, being a community that exalts Jesus in all that we do and who's eager to take the message of Jesus to everyone that we can in our families, at our jobs, our neighborhoods, uh, and beyond. We love you, Lord. Would you be glorified, and would we be edified and sanctified through the proclamation of your word now? In Jesus' beautiful name we pray, amen. All right, well, um, on, on Monday of this past week, I was hanging out with Amy and the kids, and we were playing a card game with the younger kids, uh, but Graham and I had Monday Night Football on the TV, too. Uh, the Bengals were playing the Bills, and the game had just started. I was kind of half paying attention, because um, I'm a Jaguars fan, as you know. Duval. Um, anyway, but uh, I saw, that just came out, I don't know. Uh, I saw a player from the Bills, uh, who I now know was their safety, named DeMar, DeMar Hamlin, make a tackle where he got... Uh, hit by the Bills receiver uh, to stop the play. Pretty run-of-the-mill 
football stuff. But as I was watching, Hamlin you know, hopped back up to get ready for the next play, and what seemed like a second later, his entire body went limp, and he went down, he hit the field, and just laid out on his back motionless. And uh, went to a commercial break, but when they came back, all the players were from both teams were on the field. Uh, we found out they were administering CPR to Hamlin, which indicated it was a very serious situation. A few days later, we found out uh, he had suffered cardiac arrest there on the field, and they had to use a defibrillator, I don't know if I said that right, uh, to resuscitate him because it was literally life or death. But anyway, uh, no one knew any of that right away. And after a few commercial breaks and the announcers kind of fumbling around, uh, not sure what to say, an ambulance took um, DeMar off the field to the nearest hospital. Both teams left the field, and you could just see as they would come back to the scenes of the field, the fans were all just left standing there, kind of looking at, the, you know, at the, all the big screens, just not sure what to do. Uh, no one knew what was supposed to happen next or what had happened to DeMar Hamlin, uh, other than that it was serious. And, and I, like many people, I'm sure, was just sitting there uh, now totally engaged uh, with the TV, thinking, my goodness, Lord have mercy. What just happened to this young guy? And what's going to happen with this game? Surely it can't go on. You know, what has happened is so much more important. Um, and if you're watching it, you know, it was a real <laughs> what now? Scenario. I'm thankful to know that DeMar is now showing real signs of improvement. The whole country's been praying for him, really, um, if you follow the news at all. Uh, they're speaking very positively about his recovery. But I, I mention all of this because life has a way of throwing these what now situations at us, doesn't it? If you've read the gospel accounts, you know that the disciples. Uh, we're in a situation like that, a what now situation, when, when Jesus was crucified. This man who had been their teacher and their, their leader and their friend for years, who they believed to be the Messiah and the true king of Israel, he'd been killed before their eyes on a Roman cross and then buried in a tomb, obviously you know, grief-stricken and, and fearful. They had no idea what to do. And then, as you know, Jesus was raised from the dead just three days later and uh, started, uh, started appearing to them and showing himself to them uh, uh, miraculously alive again. But you know, they, they still weren't sure what to make of all of that. Um, obviously, it never happened. something like that never happened before. Super confused. What should they do next? But Jesus told them to meet him at the top of a mountain because he had some things to say to them. This was not unlike uh, what he had done or asked them to do in the rest of his earthly ministry. And here's what the Bible says happened in Matthew 28. Uh, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And picking up where Matthew kind of leaves off there, Luke tells us in, in Acts chapter 1, it says the disciples asked him, they said, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And uh, he said to them, it's, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was, he was lifted up, 
And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So as you may know, this account is called the Great Commission. And it was uh, what Jesus had been really prepping his disciples for all along. This was just a kind of the official launching point for them to go and apply all that he had taught them. And this is it's pretty crazy to think about, uh, but this great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew 28, um, they did it. <laughs> they, they did it. And they kept doing it. And if you, if you trace it through history, from the first century all the way to today, through all the craziness uh, that the, the passing of 2,000 years brought, you know, like, I mean, the reign of Constantine, development of Christendom, the Middle Ages, Renaissance, invention of the printing press, right, founding of uh, continents that would create the, the new Western world as we know it, several uh, revolutions for major nations, agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution, civil war, world wars, digital revolution, evolution of transportation, communication, technology, so on and so forth. All the while, these things are, are happening, they're transpiring. All the while, the Great Commission never stopped. <laughs> it never stopped. Jesus' disciples just kept doing the mission that Jesus gave them to, to make disciples who would make more disciples who would make more disciples and more disciples, all of whom were just obeying him as their Lord and Savior and teaching others to then do the same. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it that way. Even people who don't believe in Jesus really have to admit that Jesus, the historical Jesus, prophetically said that he was going to build his church and that nothing would be able to stop it, and he was right. <laughs> he was right. He launched the mission that birthed his church, and his spirit has fueled it all over the world like a wildfire that can't be contained. People have tried to contain it, <laughs> but it can't be contained. And it's still going strong to this day. And so the reason we wanted to start this year off with a teaching series called What Now? is because as finite human beings, uh, we all have a tendency to get zoomed in uh, to our own little slice of, of history. And then, you know, even further down into our own lives and forget that we are a part of the most monumental movement of human history and that we each, each one of us has a key role to play that has been given to us by God himself. And specifically over the past few years, I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we've all kind of maybe stalled out a bit in different ways. You know, I hate bringing this year up, but 2020 it threw us off for a loop. It, it, it changed things that, that we didn't ever conceive of as changeable. And we've all been trying to figure out life and church again since. I mean, sure, we've been back to kind of functioning somewhat normally for a, a little while, at least here in Florida. Um, but we all have this sense that 
things are not really the same as they were, right? They're just not really the same. Churches shrunk. People, you know, we never thought would leave, left. Um, Lots of people just, you know, watch church leisurely online now or attend sporadically uh, or just, you know, don't really go to church in a real committed way at all anymore. You know, researchers have actually, um, they've actually come up with a name for this notable segment of people now. They're, they're, called, the, they're called the Duns. The Duns. Because in the, the past three years, while they've previously been super committed churchgoers, uh, for whatever reason, they're just done with church now. Right? Our nation also seems like it got way more politically divided in that time frame, too. No one feels like they're um, doing as well financially now. Uh, some weird cultural things have happened surrounding all the gender identity stuff and race stuff and fake news stuff. And, and none of us can quite put our finger on uh, how to say it just right. But we're all pretty sure, I think, in 20 years, you know, 2020 is going to be viewed as this very uh, clear, there's this very clear historical kind of paradigm shift where a lot of things just turned over and became different in in short order. And so I say all that to say that I think it's important for all of us to consider on our way into a, a new year this year to remind ourselves that regardless of seasons and circumstances, what is next for the church never changes. It's Jesus's mission. It's always been Jesus' mission. Now, I know that we're living in a weird time, but you know, as we just reflected on, we're not the first Christians to live through a weird time. <laughs> we forget that sometimes. Uh, I don't really want to think about this either, but there are likely weirder times to come. Probably this year. I don't even know what it's going to be. I don't want to think about that. But, but knowing that, I just feel really compelled to to call us as the body of Christ, myself included, to remember that that we have a mission to be on. We have a mission to be on. And seasons don't stop it. Circumstances don't stop it. Church, the only thing that stops the mission is Jesus coming and cracking open the sky and telling us that the time is up. (laughs) If that doesn't happen, then, then regardless of what does happen, we know what our lives need to be about. Our lives need to be about the the same thing that that every other true disciple's life has been about since Jesus called them up onto that mountain after his resurrection. Our our lives individually and our lives together as the church, it needs to be about his mission, the Great Commission. And so uh, for the next few weeks, I want us to think about several key aspects of this mission that we're on. Uh, I have some really clear, practical um, aspects, um, just ways, applications uh, for us at the end of each one so that we know uh, to the best of our ability that we are starting 2023 focused on the main things. Okay, I don't know about you, but I'm not a super clever guy. 
so I, I'm glad that Jesus has already given us the vision and the mission, and it's simple. Okay, because I, I, I want to be faithful, and if it's complex, I don't know that I'm the guy for the job. Okay, but it's not. It's not complex. It's go. Make disciples. <laughs> Teach them everything that Jesus has taught us. And tell them to make more disciples. That's it. So that's, that's our game plan. Okay. Um, I know that's a, kind of a long intro, so to speak, but it's the first week. And so now we've kind of got it. You know what it's about. We won't have to reestablish this every week. But today, the first kind of missional aspect that I'd like for us to focus in on is community. And again, I want to read a couple texts to you back to back because they're absolutely uh, foundational to our concept of Christian community. And while a lot of time has passed since the beginning of the book of Acts, I think it's safe to say these passages are here in the biblical canon for us to, to say that you know, regardless of the year, the decade, or the century, or the millennium we're living in, uh, if a community is Jesus's community, then it should have the components that we find in these passages. Okay, uh, One is Acts 2 which Pastor Jason stole from me. That's okay. The other is in Acts 4. Acts 2, uh, the apostle Peter uh, had just preached a, a powerful gospel sermon at Pentecost, and 3,000 men and their families had just repented and trusted in Jesus and been baptized. Uh, and then in Acts chapter 4, the apostles are starting to get into some trouble for all the commotion that's being stirred up from the launch of uh, the church, and they're, they're being threatened to, to stop but they all resolve to, you know, regardless of the outcome, to not stop spreading the gospel. So I'm going to uh, read these passages to you back to back, and then I want us to draw some clear principles uh, to apply to ourselves. All right, let's go. Uh, Acts two. I'm going to read verse 41 first. It says, "So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching." And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Jump to Acts 4. It says, Now the, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. <clears throat> there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So this is, um, this is pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? I, just, um, I can't help but feel hopeful and excited when I read the vision of the community that is the, the local church. Obviously, uh, if you've gone on to read further in the New Testament, particularly uh, the Pauline letters, you know these passages are 
generalizations of what was going on. And so it wasn't perfect by any means. There were still problems that were there, sin to be addressed and, and worked through just like there is today and as there will be in every church, even faithful churches, until Christ returns. But here's what I think we see about the church from these preliminary passages. When the church was born, before all else, it became a gospel community characterized by radical obedience to God, loving care for one another, and grateful generosity towards missional needs. Okay. So let's, let's break this down, and let's talk about the different pieces more specifically. First of all, I want to talk about this first aspect from the start, that the church was a gospel community. The church was a gospel community. And so here's what that means for them and for us. When the gospel is proclaimed faithfully, this is what happens. People repent of their sin, they begin following Jesus, and they form an ecclesia, right? The Greek word for assembly that's often used for, in reference to the church. The, the gospel just forms a people, a community of redeemed sinners who have been born again. That's what Jesus calls it. Whose, whose eyes have been opened to see Jesus for who he really is. Lord, Savior, God, and King of God's kingdom. And from there... Everything that this community of believers does is about the gospel and taking the gospel to others. Our, our marriages become this picture of the gospel. Our families are the first gospel ministries that we have, right? We make disciples of our own children. Our, our work is about doing all things to the glory of God and being witnesses for Christ in our particular domains of society that we've been placed in. On, on Sunday mornings, every week, we proclaim the message of the gospel through God's word. We sing the promises of the gospel. We pray that God would help us to live out the gospel. We even pool our money together to fund more gospel ministry. I'll talk more on that in a bit because I know people love talking about money in church. Um, then <clears throat> throughout the week, we get together and, and talk about how um, our gospel living is, is going. We, we break bread together. We submit ourselves to the teaching of the Bible together. We pray for one another's more specific, intimate needs that we find out about. We, we graciously hold one another accountable. Are we loving? Are we forgiving? Are we staying pure? Are we being faithful in our devotions and in our witness? The church is a gospel community. And let me just say this, because I think it's relevant. Where a church loses the gospel as its central motivation and focus, it loses the mission. And eventually, as a result, it will cease to be a church at all. So I, I'm just going to be real with you. If, if, all, if all of this <laughs> is just about having friends or having a hobby, or doing some good deeds. There are other easier ways to make friends. 
join a book club or a softball team or something. They're better hobbies. With 10% of your income, I mean, you go, go buy a boat or travel more. If you want to do good deeds, you can find all kinds of ways to do community service. And you can even share it on social media for all the digital pats on the back that you'll get for that. But this place and these people are about more than just those things. Yes, we, we gain some of those things, deep friendships and, and helpful things to do together for our community. But it's all about Jesus here. It's all about Jesus here and seeing more people go from spiritual death to spiritual life by trusting in Jesus. Okay. And so if you're here today for, for any other reason, let me just say as the pastor of the church or representative for this church, um, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> we're so glad you're here. We hope you'll hang around with us. We hope you'll eat our food and drink our coffee and hang out at our houses and become our friend. But if you're not here because of the gospel, then you're not here for the same reason that the rest of us are here. But we hope that you'll get there. We hope you'll get there. We hope that you will come to realize that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is an abundance of true freedom and joy and identity and purpose in him that you will not find anywhere else. Amen. We hope you'll come to realize that while you were blind and far from God in your sin, that Jesus came to live the perfect life that you could never have lived. And then he died the death that you deserved in your place on the cross so that you could be totally forgiven of all your sin, past, present, and future, and so that you could be reconciled back into a right relationship with God who loves you and who made you for his glory, and that all you have to do to become a part of this gospel family of brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters of God, all you have to do is place your trust in Jesus and receive the gift, the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that only he offers. And start living with us in gospel community every day. That's the good news of the gospel. That, that is the message of the gospel. And that's what we see from the newborn church in Acts, isn't it? <laughs> out of the gospel, out of the, kind of the gospel part of their gospel community, they start striving for things. They start striving to be radically obedient to God. They, 
It says they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. That was the, the New Testament teaching at that time, before we had the, the New Test, written New Testament, right? It's, it's all the things that Jesus taught, and they were attending the temple together, understanding how, how even the Old Testament was really all about Jesus and how they should be conforming their lives more and more day after day to be in line with what Jesus himself modeled for us as our perfect example of a God-glorifying life. They were also lovingly caring for one another, meeting one another's needs, sharing everything they had, living together. Honestly, as you read this, they're really living together like the best possible family, aren't they? Because they're now part of God's perfect family, checking in on each other, constantly eating together and praying for one another. The text says that no one considered his own things to be his own things. Everything they had was for the benefit of the community, from their time to their material possessions, their skills and their talents, but also their monetary resources. A true gospel community will inevitably be a generous community that gives everything it can to see the mission thrive. The parallel passages we read in Acts both say uh, that they would, the early church, they would be um, laying these unbelievably generous financial offerings at the feet of the apostles. And then the apostles would, would then determine how they could best be stewards of the collective resources in order to, to love and to serve those around them and to advance God's kingdom. So when, when we talk about community, that's, that's a word we use a lot here. And I don't want it to be a, a junk drawer term to you. When we talk about community, more specifically biblical community at Mosaic, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. This is the kind of people that we are aiming to cultivate ourselves to be together by the grace of God. Okay. And I want to reiterate something here. At Mosaic, we do not claim to hit the bullseye. Okay, We do not claim to hit the bullseye. There's not an example of a local church in the New Testament that hits the bullseye because a gospel community is made up 100% of sinners, imperfect people who are healing a day at a time in Christ through the gospel, but who are sometimes still really jacked up. Broken, maybe is a word you recognize. Messy, in need of help, right? People, a gospel community is made up of people who are jacked up and broken and messy and need a lot of help. People, you know, who are, are kind of like really a lot like um, you and me. And sometimes, actually, I'll just say all the time, all the time. If you hang around long enough, you're going to inevitably hear about sinners in this gospel community sinning 
real sins against each other. Real sins against each other. Not on purpose, usually, but it does happen. I say this because I don't want any of us to be under any illusion. When Jesus comes back and and perfects us once and for all, sin and conflict and and issues, they won't happen anymore. But until then, it's, it's part of the reality of a gospel community. But as a gospel community, when this kind of stuff happens, we talk about it. We talk about it, and we forgive as Jesus reminds us that we ourselves have been forgiven because none of us sins against each other as bad as all of us have sinned against God. Amen? None of us sins against each other as bad as all of us have sinned against God. As the men and women in a gospel community understand that more deeply, and as they do life together through the good and the bad and exciting and the painful, the fun, the the weird, the sad, the unknown, they're all sanctified together. And they're, they're covenant with one another, formed by the the blood of Christ, it grows stronger and more durable. This is the kind of community that we see in the New New Testament. This this is the kind of community that we should desire to be. Because biblical community is fundamental to gospel mission. Biblical community is fundamental to gospel mission. If if we don't understand that, then then we're going to have a church that doesn't really look like or or work like a church in the way it's supposed to look or work, okay? While while the mission should always be at the forefront of our minds as disciples and disciple makers, we should be trying to pull as many people into Christ as we can, but we should also always be working just as hard to, to cultivate a healthy gospel community here as well. Because, follow me here, biblical community is not just a critical tool to aid the mission of the church. It's the end goal of the mission of the church. You see that? Biblical community is not just a critical tool to aid the mission of the church. It's the end goal of the mission of the church. I want to be careful how we understand this because, you know, some churches, they become totally self-absorbed and and inward-focused in ways that kind of get them off course, right? Building up bigger buildings. I'm not saying big buildings are bad, but building up bigger buildings and, and having more potlucks and, you know, knitting groups and you know, Zumba group or classes or whatever, it be, the church becomes, it feels more like a country club. <laughs> more like a country club than a missional outpost, like you would think from the, from the New Testament. One pastor said, a church should be more like a battleship than a cruise ship. 
I agree with that. I think it's a helpful distinction. But that doesn't mean that we don't strive to cultivate what's happening in our midst at all. We just don't want to get confused about what that means. Okay? We always want to keep cultivating a gospel culture in our community because one day, one day, the mission is going to be over. And the community of God's family is going to live on forever. The Apostle John gives us a glimpse of that in Romans 7 via this vision that God gave to him. It says in Revelation 7, 9, and 10, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, one day Jesus will return and the mission will cease because it'll be accomplished. <laughs> and it'll just be the community of saints that he saved for himself, always joyfully worshiping together in his presence for eternity. This is really important for us to recognize and understand because if you, if you don't enjoy spending time with the body of Christ and community now, you might not like heaven. Okay? Uh, that's all it is, all the time. God and his people dwelling in perfect loving union together forever. And so this is why I say the community is actually the end goal of, of mission because the community that starts here with, with us it's going to turn into the community of God's perfect people in the new heavens and the new earth with all of the disciples from all of the nations from the very beginning until the end. So as we close today, I just want to call us back into community as the body of Christ. Some of us, you know, we've just been apart for the holidays, right? Um, but, you know, some of us have been kind of spotty or not very committed even prior to the holidays. Some of us are, are just new to this body. Or for whatever reason, we just haven't yet taken the step to be in biblical community with other believers due to like busyness or, or fear of initial awkwardness or the, the challenge of building new relationships and letting people into our lives for real. But whatever your circumstances may be, if you love Mosaic, or you're considering making Mosaic your, your home church, will you faithfully commit yourself to being a part of community with us? Sunday morning gatherings, community groups, men's and women's ministries, and all the things that we do to, to try to stay together as a biblical community. Will, will you commit or... Maybe recommit yourself and your family to those things this year. Not for me. Don't do it for me or for some other reason, but because this is what the Lord has called us to. It's what's best for all of us. Community is community is not a punishment, it's a gift. And Christianity, as you know, 
is not a solo sport. It's a team effort. It can't be done alone. The one-known pastor and author, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, piercingly asserted in his book, Life Together, he said, we pray for the big things and forget to give thanks for the ordinary, small, and yet really not small gifts. How can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? If we do not give thanks daily for the Christian fellowship in which we have been placed, even where there's no great experience, no discernible riches, but much weakness, small faith, and difficulty, if on the contrary we we only keep complaining to God that everything is so paltry and petty, so far from what we expected, then we hinder God from letting our fellowship grow according to the measure and riches which are there for us all in Christ Jesus. Translation, we're all praying to God for big things in our lives, especially at the start of a new year. But how silly is it of us to expect him to give us the big things that we're asking for if we won't even receive one of the simplest and sweetest gifts of grace that he's already given to us? Community. Life together with his people. I'm not telling you that committing to a gospel community is easy, because it's not. But it is good and right and beautiful for the body of Christ to be bound together by the gospel striving for radical obedience to God together, loving and caring for one another, and being generous for the sake of seeing Jesus' mission move forward in this world. So, if 2022 was the best year of your life, or the worst year, if there's a lot on your plate right now, or if you're jobless, living at home with your parents. Things are new for you in a a good way, just married, new baby, new career, or things are new for you in a bad way. You've just been divorced or you're struggling with infertility or you just got laid off. Or if you're in your 20s or if you're in your 40s, if you're in your 60s, you think things are going amazing in our country right now, or if you think our country's being run into the ground right now, if you feel really happy in life right now, or if you're honest, you're struggling to fight off depression right now. Brother, sister, fellow Christian, your mission remains the same. Your mission remains the same. And community is a critical part of your being faithful on the mission that Jesus has given to us. If we want to be the church in 2023, we'll have to do it in community. If we want to be the church in 2023, we have to do it in community. I was talking to our student leader, Matt Davidson, a few days ago, and he said something super profound. We were talking about how things had just changed, you know, since 2020, and how after the pandemic, we grew so used to staying home more and you know, uh, not having as many commitments throughout the week or <laughs> feeling a lot more comfortable with dipping out on commitments we'd made or whatever the case may be. And 
he said something really profound. He said, uh, he said what, what used to be our hospitable spaces have become our hiding places. <laughs> what used to be our hospitable spaces have become our hiding places. That's a preacher quote, isn't it? <laughs> Matt's a good preacher. And if I'm honest, that's even been true for me to a degree. But I don't want it to be. Not anymore. I want to be all in on community. I want my house to be a place that exists, not just for my comfort and, and my little kingdom, but for gospel community and the advancement of God's kingdom. Eating, praying, playing, laughing, crying, repenting, forgiving, discussing God's word with other men and women who love Jesus or who are trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. So will you join me in that? I'm really asking you. It's not like I'm a real person. I, I can see you here. Like I'm really like, <laughs> I know sometimes it's like we forget that. It's like, oh, it's, we're really here. Will you join me in that <laughs> for real? You don't have to answer audibly or raise your hand or sign a card or anything like that. Nothing pretentious. But just between you and the Lord in your own heart right now, will you make gospel community one of your top priorities this year? <laughs> because biblically, it's the only way forward for us as Jesus' church. As the author of Hebrews puts it, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and, and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. I know this is a familiar verse for us, right? About it's like it's like the verse you go to about gathering as the church, right? But friends, it, this is a really simple equation. Do you see it in this ver in these verses? It's basically saying, you know, we don't know when Jesus is going to return. But every day is one day closer to that day. And these verses say that as we see the day drawing near, so I think I just showed you, like, we see the day drawing near, right? Every day we're a little nearer. So as we see the day drawing near, we should be making our, our meeting together, our community more of a priority. We should be meeting together more, not less. So, can we do that in 2023? I, I'm going to go for it. I think our, our leaders are committed to going for it. And we hope you'll join us in community this year. Let's pray. Father, God, you are so good. And the gospel is so good. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all that he's done for us, all that he promises to be for us, our, our righteousness before you, that we might approach your throne of grace at any time with any need because Jesus has made the way. Jesus has made the relationship right again. We thank you for that. And we thank you for how your gospel forms us into a community. Jesus' body Men and women who are on the same mission, different, different walks of life, different 
ages, different circumstances, God, but we're all here bound together by the gospel for the same mission. And my prayer is that we wouldn't, uh, many of us know a lot of these passages I read this morning, the Great Commission, the Acts 2 and 4 and Hebrews 10. We, we know these things. But Father, I pray that this year we would just reconsider these things and think about how we might be strive to be more obedient together in community this year. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.